Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 333 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story, on the heels of developing near-miraculous vaccines, drug makers are scrambling to make booster shots that can fight COVID-19's dangerous new variants. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. Some cities in Asia and Europe that have endured strict lockdowns are gradually opening up. Hong Kong will double the number of people who can eat together at a restaurant if the virus remains contained over the Lunar New Year. Officials who spoke at a briefing on Wednesday said they would also open other venues like cinemas and beauty parlors next week. Germany's Angela Merkel proposed a gradual reopening today while arguing for the current restrictions to remain in place until early March. In Germany, disease rates have declined steadily since their December peak. But things aren't loosening up everywhere. The Japanese government is planning to keep its state of emergency in 10 prefectures in place, despite earlier reports that it was considering lifting it in some areas. According to local broadcaster FNN, officials are maintaining restrictions to ease pressure on the medical system. Japan will start vaccinations by the middle of next week. Finally, Eli Lilly's combination antibody drug was cleared for emergency use by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The drug will offer doctors a treatment option that is expected to help to combat mutations. The FDA authorized the treatment for use in COVID-positive adults and children 12 and older, who are at high risk of getting very sick from the disease. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. 
Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. And now for today's main story. Just two months ago, the incredible performance of new vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer had people cheering for an imminent end to the pandemic. But an onslaught of fast-spreading and potentially dangerous mutations of the virus changed that. So now, even as pharma companies ramp up production in the early stages of a massive rollout, they are racing to retool their vaccine strategies. I spoke to health reporter Robert Langreth, who reports that booster shots could give drug makers a lucrative new revenue stream. What makes variants of COVID-19 so problematic when it comes to how effective a vaccine might be, say a vaccine from Moderna or Pfizer? Uh, yeah. So what's happening out there, uh, as you know, more than 100 million people uh, around the world have gotten infected, that essentially means, you know, 100 million chances uh, for mutation. When you accumulate enough chances to develop mutations, sometimes uh, the virus will start to uh, mutate and evolve uh, in ways uh, that are that are bad for us. One way that's happened is that in the UK, it's evolved to be more transmissible, and that is the B117 strain that's now rapidly spreading in the US. Now, that strain seems the vaccine seems to be pretty effective against that strain. But what people are really worried about are some mutations that have occurred in South Africa and then some similar ones in Brazil, where the virus appear uh, to have evolved in a way that may allow it to you know partially escape the effects of current vaccines. And the uh, strain that people are most worried about uh, is the B1351 strain in uh, South Africa. And in some trials so far uh, where vaccines from both Johnson & Johnson uh, and the vaccine from Novavax have been tested in South African patients recently. Their vaccines were less effective in South Africa where that variant is common. Uh, now, we don't have direct data on this from the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. What we do have is data, kind of lab data, suggesting that the, those vaccines won't generate as high levels of antibodies against uh, this vaccine partially evading strain. Both Moderna and Pfizer still think their vaccines will be effective, but they may not be, you know, quite as powerfully effective. So if it does turn out that they are not as effective as they had hoped against some of these variants, what are the options for drug makers going forward with this problem? The problem is, the worry is, as you know, these, these, these more people get vaccinated with the existing vaccines and these strains start to spread, you know, these strains could be selected for and, and spread even more widely. And then there's an additional worry that there could be, you know, they could accumulate additional mutations that allow them to even further and more, you know, more significantly escape the vaccine's effects, you know. That's kind of a nightmare scenario, kind of a, a total escape a strain of the, of the virus, which doesn't exist here, but that's kind of the worry. Uh, so what companies are, you know, starting to retool and think about, you know, how to come up with potential either new versions of vaccines to account for these new strains, 
or booster shots uh, that account for the strains will be added on top of the existing vaccine, say six or 12 months uh, down the line. Now, Moderna uh, has announced that you know, it is going to you know, work on some booster shot, shot studies, including one particularly you know, developed for the South Africa strain. The Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla, he said in a call uh, with investors on February 2nd, he said it was increasingly likely that these mutations are, you know, there's going to likely to be booster shots in the, in the future and kind of like a long-term market uh, for these vaccines, which, of course, uh, uh, you know, what's bad, I guess, for the world uh, in some ways is potentially good for drug makers. Good. That means drug makers will have products to sell for these vaccines. It's not just a kind of a one-time thing. They'll have products to sell in the future. So how long do we expect it will take for these booster shots to be developed and made available? The good thing about messenger RNA is that you know, revised versions of vaccine can be developed quite quickly because it's a technology involves you know, synthetic chemistry. It doesn't involve growing anything, growing viruses or growing cells or proteins in a lab. It's a synthetic chemistry. So that, that can be done faster. That's good news. The tricky part is that it's an evolving situation and, you know, you don't want to develop a booster shot that turns out to be obsolete a few months from now. You want to kind of figure out what the, the main strains that are emerging that have reduced efficacy and, you know, develop new versions of the vaccines against those. And that's kind of a tricky thing because we need to get consensus on kind of what's happening out there. So it's an evolving situation. The FDA Food and Drug Administration has indicated that, you know, it's going to allow companies, if we do need booster shots or you know, second generation versions of the vaccines, it's going to allow companies to move much faster. They're not going to have to do trials, efficacy trials on thousands and thousands of patients like they did the first time. There's going to be kind of a streamlined process based on what we've learned from the first round of vaccines. So these studies should should go much faster. I mean, overall, it's not a cause for panic, but it is a cause for concern. And I just want to kind of break down the process a little bit more, you know, just in terms of how booster shots might work. Is it possible that, for example, any of the drug makers, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, whatnot, would develop a booster shot and that would be linked to combat, say, just the South Africa variant? Or could a booster shot address a number of different variants of COVID-19? Yeah. And so there's there's a few possibilities, you know, out there, you know, yes, one is you develop, there's one strain that's worrisome, you develop a new, new booster shot just against that strain, like just against South Africa. And another possibility uh, is that, hey, there's like two or three strains we're kind of worried about vaccines might not be quite as effective against circulating in the world, say three months from now. And we want a booster shot that kind of accounts for all three of them, uh, or a new in a new second generation vaccine that accounts for all three of them and the, and, and the authorities, the uh, powers that be, you know, the public health authorities get together and kind of agree you know, what strain should be in a new vaccine or a new booster shot. I mean, that's kind of you know, what happens now each year with the flu vaccine. And there are, you know, p- comparisons being made like to that now. Uh, coronavirus, you know, doesn't mutate at the rate that the flu does. But, you know, uh, on the other hand, we've let this spread a lot and a lot of people giving it a lot of chances to mutate. So, you know, what happens with the flu is, you know, each year, you know, authorities try to kind of consent some consensus as to, you know, what strains are going to be circulating are most prominent a few months from now, and then they design a vaccine on that basis. And something similar, you know, could be done for booster shots for, you know, coronavirus uh, vaccines and booster shots in the future. So there is a thought out there, it's, it seems increasingly likely, you know, it's not going to be a one and done situation in the vaccine. There's a good chance we'll need some kind of booster shots in the future, uh, especially if these vaccine evading strains become more prominent. And what's not clear right now is 
how often we need booster shots. Is this going to, you know, has the virus done like most of the significant mutating it's going to do already? And we've already seen the bad stuff or is there more bad stuff to come? That's kind of a mystery. And then, you know, how, how long will protection last and start to fade with existing vaccines? That's not clear at all. So it's just not clear at all uh, to the extent we need booster shots, how frequent they'll, they'll be, whether it'll be just like once or it'll be like every few years or, you know, worst case scenario every year. And that, that's just simply unclear at this point. So how might this affect someone who is still considering whether to be inoculated right now or whether they should wait for these later generation vaccines that might be more effective against variants? One thing, you know, I, I do want to note is that uh, by no means is this a reason in the U.S. to put off getting a vaccine or delay getting a vaccine. The vaccines we have here are still you know, highly effective against uh, most of the strains that are that are circulating in the U.S. and the sooner you can get vaccinated, the better, and that would really, really help. So this is, but this is by no means a reason not to get inoculated in the U.S. If you you have an appointment, you should go rush out and do it for sure. That was Robert Langreth, and that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com/coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Robert Langrith. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Schein and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.